What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Bringing the Heat. We got a lot of stuff on the table to talk about today, especially since it's been a while since we actually did content with the last uh, podcast being strictly the interview with Danny Erbeck, who we would again like to uh, thanks for being on the show. It's greatly appreciated. Um, Before we start the podcast, I want to get our sponsors out, um, our sponsors on Train on Main. All right, so again, I say this every week. Summer is around the corner. We are now at the tail end of February. March is coming. Time is running out for you to get that beach body back. All right, so you need to visit Dan at Train on Main. All right, he is going to work with you. He'll work with you one-on-one, set you up with another trainer possibly, work with you one-on-one. It is a true one-on-one setting. He can help you with whatever you want to work on, losing weight, maybe getting stronger, whatever it is your goal is, he will help you achieve that goal. Um, You can find them on 427 Main Street in Stroudsburg, uh, Pennsylvania, and you can also follow them at Train on Main 427, um, which is on Instagram. Um, Also, we would like to thank our sponsor, Oahu Golf Apparel, Um, again, it's almost golf season, everybody. So go out, get your nice Oahu golf apparel, sport it on the golf course. All right, look good, feel good, play good. Right, that's what they always say. So Oahu golf apparel, some of the nicest stuff out there. You can go check them out again on uh, Instagram as well. They actually, you can buy the stuff straight through their Instagram page. So go check that out at Oahu golf apparel. Um, also, I would like to give uh, another shout out. I would like to give a shout out to my buddy uh, Zach Sharanko. So he is starting up his own hitting thing around here, giving hitting uh, lessons to people. Uh, his company, or what he's trying to start, is called Daddy Hacks Baseball. Um, so go check that out. Um, he's got incredible knowledge on uh, baseball. I mean, he played at Westchester. He's really well-known baseball player around here. The the kid can flat out um, hit. He could hit, always could hit from the time that I've known him. He was a great baseball player, still is a good baseball player. Um, he was a national champion at Westchester. Uh, he was EPAC Conference Player of the Year at the JUCO level at Northampton Community College. Um, and if you if your child is young, he can work. Uh, work on the basics if your child is older and wants to to get more in depth he can do that as well um you can email him at zacksharanko at yahoo.com his phone number is 570-460-7692 um and i mean i'm assuming that he is going to be able to do lessons as the summer approaches what would be convenient to you but if you know for whatever reason if you want to start right now He's got a place uh, right off Snydersville, PA, right off Route 33 um, by the Snydersville Diner. So go check that out. Give him a look, um, and I promise you, you won't be disappointed in that. And the last thing. um, So recently, uh, a child local uh, to where I currently live or we currently live, I've worked with this this kid in the past um, at, at baseball camps and stuff. He recently lost both parents to cancer. Um, he's only 14 years old. He's lost both parents to cancer. So 
uh, a buddy of mine who you may see on our Insta or our Twitter page from time to time, Leon Fraley, uh, does something. He has a uh, a brand, I, I guess you could call it, uh, Pocono Mountain Baseball Alliance. Um, they are going to run a fundraiser for him uh, at Pocono Mountain, uh, the elementary school. Uh, it's from 10 to 1 on March 2nd. It's a hit-a-thon. So you pay twenty dollars, um, and it's all you can hit for three hours. You can hit off the tee, you can get front toss, you can hit in the cage. All you can hit for three hours. All you got to pay is twenty dollars, and all that money is going to go to his. They're going to start a college fund for him. So all that money that will be raised for that day will be put into an account for him, and then when it is time for him to go to college, that money will be used to help pay. Uh, for part of his college uh, tuition. So make sure to check that out. Uh, you can go to pmbaseball.org, and there's more information on it on there as well. So if you are interested in it, it would be greatly appreciated. Go check it out on that website. Also, we need people to help uh, run it. So basically, we need people to help throw, load tees, do front toss, so if you have any baseball knowledge and, and can do those things, it'd be great for you to come and uh, be part of something that's pretty special. I mean, it's really sad that a child that young has to deal with losing both parents at such a young age. You know, Losing one parent alone is not easy, and to lose both um, at such a young age is really tough. And so I think it'd be nice to, to have the community come out and, and do this for him. So um, so that was our ads. So I got that those done. So now I can get into some some news, which we have a ton. Uh, a ton of stuff has happened over the last week, which is really it's been a week since I've since I've done an episode because of the the interview we had. Um, so the first thing I'm just going to go into baseball because there's really been more baseball stuff um, than there has uh, been anything else. So Bruce Bochy, legendary manager uh, for the Giants. Uh, he is going to retire at the end of the year. He did not say that it'll be the last time he ever coaches, but he's going to walk away from baseball for now. Uh, he's been at it forever now. I, I would think. I think he's the longest tenured uh, major league baseball coach. So I mean, he's been at it forever, and and he's had. I mean, he had a heck of a run when they they literally were winning a World Series every other year. Uh, they did it one year. I think at least one of the years was as the wild card team. So they had won uh, the one game playoff and went all the way on to win the World Series. So uh, Bruce Bochy is is a legendary coach. He's easily a Hall of Famer. It's not even close. I mean, he'll get in if he waits five years from the time he retires. He will be in first ballot, no doubt. Um, one of the great managers of of this of my time, really. Um, and so I've, I've got to see all the World Series, and I've always been kind of, you know, I'm not going to say I'm a fan because, you know, they're not my favorite team, but whenever the Giants were in it, it wasn't like I was like, damn, I hate the Giants. You know, the, they're another classy franchise. They they won with scrappy players. Like Hunter Pence is a good player, but he was never a great player. Um, you see how Pablo Sandoval, you know, kind of regressed gratefully when he left uh, San Fran. So you know that they have like an atmosphere there. It's almost kind of gets like that Patriots feel. You know, when guys leave the Patriots, they don't have the same amount of success as they did when they were there. And it's kind of the same thing as the Giants. You know, you saw how a guy like Sandoval struggled when he left. And 
So I think it's pretty cool to see uh, how well they they have done over the years, and and it's really I think they just have a good good base, you know, a good foundation, um, and it, they just it seems to funnel players in and out, and and they yeah they've struggled the last couple of years, but guys like you know Matt Cain kind of fell off, Lincecum fell off. I mean those guys kind of regressed at really young ages. So it's been tough for them, and they still win. They're still a competitive team and still do well. So hats off to, to Bruce Bochy. Um, definitely a legend in the game, and you know I'm not going to say it's sad to see him go. because I mean, he's not tremendously old. He could easily come back and be a manager for another team down the road. Uh, but, you know, as you get older, you know, your kids start to have kids. You become a grandparent, and, you know, you've missed out probably on a bulk of your your own children's lives so you know you kind of don't want to miss out on your your grandchildren's lives and and you know as you get older you kind of want to do some things before you know your time's up so even though you're a manager you know that's not an easy job it's not like you know you just wake up and manage baseball games uh you kind of you know obviously there's meetings and there's tons of stuff to do so um bruce bochi you know classy guy very quiet type manager but you could tell the guys love him so you know congrats to boach and uh he's gonna have you know definitely be a hall of famer without a doubt um then we got josh harrison so former pirate uh utility man really uh was an all-star good player he uh signed with the tigers Uh, i believe it's a one-year deal so you know nothing Nothing huge. Um, there were talks that he could have went to New York to be that utility guy until you know they kind of they went the Lemayhew to Lewitsky route. But I love Harrison. Good player, scrappy guy. Um, does pretty well. You know he's not great, but he's not bad. He's a very good defensive player. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Detroit stinks. Um, you know they got they had some bad contracts with. Uh, I mean Cabrera still got a ton of time on that deal yet. So, I mean, I think they're stuck kind of with some, some bad contracts. And, you know, the Tigers aren't in a in the best place. Uh, they got, I think they're going to have some time before they turn around and really are a, a very good team again. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But I think it's a good pickup. He fills, he fills, really fills multiple holes because he can play so many different positions. So, you know, they got him and he can do multiple things. So he can play every single day and play a different position every single day. I mean, he can play third, short, second, and then you can even throw him in the outfield and he can play outfield. So great utility player. I love Josh Harrison. I always have, um, Mike Moustakis, he goes back to the Brew Crew on a one-year deal. Um, I think that's a great signing. Uh, the Brewers really didn't lose anybody. Um, I mean, they made that trade and got rid of Domingo Santana and got uh, Brett Gamble, I think it was. Um, that trade is weird. I love Domingo Santana, so I think they should have kept him. I think he's got a higher ceiling than what Gamble has. But, um, you know, other than that, I mean, the Brewers are the same team. They got Yelich, uh, Kane still. Now Moustakis plays some third base with Travis Shaw. Um, you know, Aguilar has another good year. Who knows? I mean, that team is easily going to be back in the playoffs, in my opinion. That uh, That's going to be they're a good team. You know, Craig Council seems to have come, uh, come in, into his own as a manager, and he kind of seems like he knows what he's doing now. I mean, he, he was a rookie manager, no managing experience prior to being with the Brewers. So 
Um, I really like where the Brewers are going, and that's another team I've kind of always, you know, I've never hated the Brewers. There's never been a time where, like, oh, damn, I hate the Brewers. Why are they winning? Like, no. I've always kind of, last year I was rooting for them to go to the World Series and win it. You know, I really was. I I love the Brewers. So I would have I would have liked to see them win it last year. But, you know, unfortunately they didn't. Um, and then uh, kind of a funny thing. So today I'm going through Twitter and I see uh, the Yankees, you know, Yankees reporters, not, not the Yankees themselves, but re- reporters that follow the Yankees, um, tweeting out how Greg Bird hit a home run today off Masahiro Tanaka. Who the hell cares? All right. Um, first off, these sim games don't mean anything. That's the first time Tanaka's probably faced a live hitter probably since last year. I mean, let's be honest. Um, one, Tanaka is prone to giving up home runs, so it's not even like it's a big deal that anyone hit one off of him. But Greg Bird, if you don't remember, is a spring training Hall of Famer. Like, Greg Bird legit um, absolutely dominated the one spring training i mean i, I want to say he had like seven home runs eight home runs the one spring training like he went off and everyone's like damn this guy is the real deal like he's gonna come out and he's just gonna you know he's gonna be that first baseman for the next 10 years for the yankees like people he's gonna be a perfect fill-in for mark Teixeira or perfect replacement for mark Teixeira. um that didn't happen like the second that the season started greg bird was horrible um you know, in spring training that year, there really wasn't any competition. Like, that was his chance to shine, but really there was no pressure because it was really his job to lose. And that's not the case this this uh, spring. It's his, it's his opportunity to take his position back because right now he is not the starting first baseman. Luke Voigt is the starting first baseman for the New York Yankees. So, you know... Greg Bird, whatever he does in spring training, doesn't excite me. Um, he can go out and hit another eight home runs of spring training, and it's not going to pump me up because, in my my opinion, one, those games obviously don't matter. Um, but also, he's done it before. We've seen it before, and maybe he's a guy that, when there's no pressure, he does great, and there really is no pressure in spring training. I mean, yeah, this year there's going to be a little bit more on him due to the fact that he's not the starting first baseman and he did struggle so bad last year. But at the end of the day, you know, if he goes out and he hits eight home runs this spring training, to me, I'm still not excited about it. Maybe he, he upped his stock a little bit. He'll give, it'll get him in the lineup maybe a little bit more, but one, is he going to stay health, healthy enough? Probably not. Uh, Greg Bird hasn't had a healthy season ever. Um, and you know, is he gonna is he gonna produce? Probably not. I mean, he's a guy that he just his swing. I think it, it's too long for the bigs. I mean, his swing, the ball on the inside half of the plate, he struggles with. And then, you know, they run an off speed pitch outside. He's swinging up in the zone. He's swinging in the dirt. He's swinging. I've never seen a guy strike out so many times in big positions. And or I just I don't know. I, I, I never have liked Greg Bird. He's never been one of the players I've enjoyed watching. I don't like him. I would much rather see Luke Voigt in the lineup based on what happened last year. Could it have been a flash in the pan? Sure. But uh, I think he's produced more than what Greg Bird has in a lesser amount of time. So 
In my honest opinion, Luke Voigt is way better than Greg Bird. And I I thought the Yankees would for sure try to trade away Greg Bird. Cut cut your loose ends. You know, if Voigt doesn't work out, move Andahar to first base and you can move LeMahieu to third. I mean, I'm fine with that. Uh, I'd rather see Greg Bird gone. I really do not think he's good. Maybe I could see him go into a team like Colorado, though, and doing extremely well because there's not as much pressure there. Same in Pittsburgh. Like The pressure there is so minimal, and I just think Greg Bird, you know, the second that he has a bad game or a bad week, he just goes in the shitter. And we saw it. He got off to a slow start, and he never came out of it. Maybe there was like a week where he did decently well, but there was never a time where he was like, you know, absolutely carrying that team. Um, it's kind of like like Stanton struggled in the beginning, but then when Judge went out, Stanton carried that team for a good while, and and you know Bird just never did that. So that's what I got to say about Greg Bird because people are getting all excited that he uh, that he hit a home run today, and all I got to say is big deal. Um, my last baseball uh, related thing is Manny Machado. So obviously it's the big the big uh, question. Was answered. Manny Machado goes to the Padres on a ten-year deal, uh, three hundred mil. You know exactly that's what he wanted. I think he wanted a little over three hundred mil, but at the end of the day, he got three hundred mil uh, over ten years. With a, he can opt out after the fifth year. Um, and honestly, everybody on Twitter exploded. You know, first off, Yankees fans are on there. You know, losing their shit. Like, oh my god, I can't believe he signed with the Padres. And first off, if you're one of those guys. You're delusional. Um, I'm sorry, but you could tell that if the Yankees really wanted Machado, they would have signed him. They would have signed him the day that he visited New York. Um, the Yankees could have thrown all that money at him, and he would have signed it on the dotted line. Uh, so you had to know that it wasn't even close. The Yankees' offer wasn't even close because he wanted to go to New York. New York didn't want him. He wanted to go to New York so bad. I think if the Yankees would have offered him 280 over 10 or over 8, he would have taken it. Um, but they didn't because they have had so many bad uh, experiences with long contracts. I and mean, we're seeing it now with Ellsbury. We're seeing, we saw it at the tail end with A-Rod. Um, even Teixeira at the end of his deal wasn't the same. So, you know, the one long-term guy that, that's kind of panned out has been Sabathia. But there haven't been... You know, many 10-year deals that have gone the Yankees' way or really in baseball. We've seen it with Robinson Cano. His his contract was, was awful, and he's not even in Seattle. So, you know, a lot of the people are on Twitter like, oh, how soon till Machado gets traded, blah, blah, blah. And that could very well happen. But kudos to the Padres. And for those of you that are saying that, good luck, you're never going to win a playoff game, guess what? This is not the the Robinson Cano type contract. Um, the Padres are a legitimate threat, and this is going to go into my last baseball point. The Padres are going to be the most surprising team in baseball this year. If I had to pick all the teams in baseball, it would be down to the Marlins because I think the Marlins have a solid young squad. Do I think they're going to come in first in a division? No. They'll probably still be towards the bottom, but I think they have a good young group of players um but the padres are first off the padres have the best farm system in baseball not only do they have the best farm system in baseball 
most of those guys that are, you know, their top 10, a lot of those guys are already close to making it to the big leagues. Um, they're already kind of, you know, maybe they're a year, two years away. They have a ton of guys. Tatis um, is one. Urias has already been up. Um, they got Naylor on there who, who's good. They, they got just got a lot of guys that are already close to making it there. On top of Eric Hosmer, um, they really had a good team last year, like a solid team, young team last year. And now you add Machado, who is perennial MVP, um, and you know the Padres are going to be a good team. Will they make the playoffs this year? Probably not. They probably don't make the playoffs this year. Maybe not next year. But in three years, um, maybe not this year or next year, but the year after, I can see the the Padres being really good. And so for those of you that are going out and and bashing Machado for signing with the Padres, first off, if you're an athlete, put yourself in his shoes. You're taking three hundred million, three hundred million versus two hundred million. You know. Don't act stupid and don't sit here and tell me you're not taking the 300 over the 200. They're both large sums amount of money, but guess what? You can do a lot more with that extra $100 million. So I don't want people coming out here and saying, oh, screw Manny Machado because he's, you know, I'm a Yankee fan. Would I have liked to have him? Yeah. But in reality, you know, I think the Yankees are okay without him. Um, and if Arenado doesn't sign, you make a run for Arenado next year. And free agency. I like Arenado more than I like Machado. But he's going to go to a market that's a smaller market. They don't get much, you know, it could bring more TV time to them, but they don't get, you know, televised much. Um, but I think it can. this is the chance that they can turn it around. You know, we saw the Padres kind of do it a couple years ago when they tried, when they signed like James Shields and they had Justin Upton and they had Matt Kemp and BJ Upton and it didn't work out. Um, this is different. You know, I think, you know, then they didn't have, you know, maybe they still had the same farm system, but those guys weren't even near big league ready. Now these guys are big league ready. They have, you know, the opportunity, like these guys are close to making it to the bigs. Tatis will probably be up this year at some point. So then Machado slides to third and then you got Machado, Tatis Jr. And, uh, Urias at second with Hosmer at first base. Um, hedges behind the plate who he's kind of struggled a bit i think the padres biggest weakness is going to be on the bump but you know who knows maybe they go out and they sign keichel i could keichel would thrive there that is not a hitter's ballpark um and i can see him doing really well there and i, I think the padres watch out for the padres i honestly think that they are going to be the most improved team um and they really didn't do too much uh going um into that and after, before that trade they didn't do a ton but I, I honestly think that you know this is going to be their time they're going to turn it around so I, i'm really excited to to see uh the the padres this year i really am and, and i've always been a machado fan as as all the as much as he gets shit I've always been a fan of Manny Machado. He's a, a very exciting player to watch. And so all i got to say is shame on the people who claim to be baseball fans that are hating on Machado for, one, signing for more money, which is stupid because any human's going to do that, and, two, for being so arrogant or, or you know, 
if you really claim to be a baseball fan, you would know that the Padres are not far away from being a good team, and you can understand that. I think the White Sox are farther away only because, you know, yeah, they got Eloy Jimenez, they got Michael Kopik, and but Yohan Moncada hasn't worked out. And, you know, Tatis is almost like a short thing. Like, it, I don't see him not panning out. Um, and Urias has already got Major League time. So, like, I just think that they're already there. The pod, those guys are already there, ready to perform. They've already had the big league experience. Yon Moncada hasn't done much. He's not great. Uh, Michael Kopik has been hurt and probably won't come back till halfway to three-quarters of the year being over. Um, or he might miss the whole year. I'm not even sure about that. Uh, and we've seen a lot of these White Sox players that have not panned out um, with the trades that they've made. So... No, if I'm Machado, I think the Padres are, are a safer bet. Um, so, you know, I'm excited about that. Um, but moving on, moving on to UFC. So lots of uh, lots of good stuff in the UFC from over the weekend. Again, this is recording late, so it already happened. We're almost a week old already. Um, so a couple good fights on there. Nick Lentz and Holtzman was... One of the one of the best fights on that card. Uh, Nick, they were literally just beating the absolute hell out of each other. Uh, Nick Lentz came out on top, really because of the takedowns. I mean, he took down Holtzman quite a bit. Uh, he just seemed to be more dominant in that fight. And you know, obviously, if you seem to have more control, you're going to 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 win the scorecards. And and you know, the judges like that. So even though Holtzman, I think, landed a lot of heavy shots and. And Nick Lentz was wearing the damage. Um, he he was battered. I mean, the freak. He had a huge knot on his underneath his. Uh, I think it was left eye. But you know, at the end of the day, Lentz seemed to have more control of that fight, and you know, he got the win. Um, Aljamain Sterling and uh, Rivera, another great fight. Aljamain Sterling won by decision, and and Rivera just looked off. You know, he did not seem to you know he's he's a guy that's going to come out swinging most of the time and try to knock a guy out and Aljamain Sterling doesn't really have a chin but he didn't get tagged at all like Rivera was very hesitant I don't know if he was super scared of Aljamain's ground game but Aljamain Sterling kind of pieced him up I mean Sterling boxed more than I've ever seen him box he pieced him up and, you know, went for takedowns when he could, and he dominated that fight. It wasn't even close. I knew that he won that fight just by, you know, what, like looking at it. It wasn't like it, when it came down to the scores, the scorecards, it was going to be close. Uh, everybody knew that Aljamain had won that fight, even Rivera. So um, not it was a good fight, but it wasn't great. Uh, the Feely fight versus Miles Jury, that was a freaking war and another great fight. Uh Jury's throwing spinning back fist, knocking down Feely. And so ultimately, I thought that Feely uh, won, was going to lose that fight uh, on the scorecards. That was a close close score. They all scored at 29-28. Um, I, I thought Jury was going to win based on the amount of knockdowns. I think he knocked down Feely twice on spinning back fist. And, you know, ultimately, Feely, Feely landed the jab, though. I mean, he, he was jabbing the whole entire fight jury's nose was all busted up and you know again jury was wearing most of the damage and so that time because there was no takedowns uh even initiated i I believe i don't think there was any takedown even attempted um 
to me, Jury lost that fight because of, you know, he was wearing the damage. Feely was landing that jab. Jury's nose got busted. He's bleeding all over the place. And so that looks good in Feely's favor. And so, you know, Feely gets the win there. But I think it really could have went either way. I think that Feely landed, a, he did have a, a land more significant strikes. But, you know, Jury wasn't really knocked down. I think he was wobbled maybe once. But Feely was knocked down twice. So, I don't know. I, I would have went Jury in that fight. Uh, the best fight of the night, though, was the Barbarina and Luke Luke fight. I can't even pronounce the name. The not, so it ended in a knockout with six seconds left. Six seconds left in the fight. Uh, Luke knocked out Barbarina with a knee to the head. But let me tell you, that fight was the fight of the night, and it was also possibly the fight of the year. So 2019, I know it's fresh, but that fight was absolutely insane. Those guys, again, not one takedown initiated, um, and those guys were just throwing. Barbarino was piecing up Luque the the majority of the fight. He was hitting him at will, um, and then Barbarino was just wearing punches. Uh, I would say that Barbarino was kind of throwing more softer punches just kind of they were landing you know they were going through um the defense and and really were landing but they weren't real powerful and the shots that luke was landing on barbarina were bombs i mean he was getting pieced up and so you know ultimately i think barbarina took so many shots and he wasn't defending himself he made it known like he's walking around the ring they he would he would get close to the fence Walk back towards the middle. Get close to the fence. Walk back towards the middle. Wear about 10 punches. Walk back to the middle. And he was just, it was like big punch after big punch. And then uh, eventually, I think that he wore too many. And his brains were probably just all scattered at that point. And so uh, in the last couple seconds of the fight, they got into the clinch. And and so Luke hit him with a punch. They got into the clinch. He hit him with two knees. So he hit him with one knee. Barbarina was going down. And as he was going down, he hit him with another knee and knocked him out. And it was a brutal knockout. But I think a lot of it had to do with exhaustion for one because those guys were gassed. And then two, just, you know, wearing so many punches throughout the fight. I mean, he, he was literally getting destroyed. But that was a great fight. Um, I, I would love that that fight. That was my favorite fight of the weekend, without a doubt. Um, Caceres and Gracie, Cron Gracie, uh, that fight sucked. You know, correct. Caceres was supposed to be Bruce Leroy. Uh, he was supposed to be a big prospect in the UFC, and he's horrible. I mean, he's 14 and 12, which is, if you know anything about boxing or, or any combat sport, that's not a good record. Yeah, he's got more wins and losses, but the real good guys are, are you know, maybe have one, two, the, the most five losses to their name. Caceres has 12. Um, but Gracie choked him out in the first round uh, with two uh, at two minutes and six seconds in the first round. Rear naked choke was too easy, took his back. It wasn't even close. I mean, Caceres... Caceres is done. I think that his UFC time is over. Um, the co-main event, my I'm not gonna say he's my favorite. Probably Cowboy is my favorite fighter. And De- I love Derek Lewis, but you know Paul Felder is in my top five, and he goes up against James Vick, who James Vick, by the way, um, is a freaking huge ass lightweight. He's easily the tallest lightweight in that division. Um, he's like six four. Six five, like his head goes over 
the freaking uh, cage. Um, it's insane. And Paul Felder is a, is a way smaller guy. Uh, and Paul Felder, I think, in my opinion, I mean, I'm not going to say he beat the shit out of him. It was a good fight. Uh, the significant strikes were close. Um, uh, James Vick actually landed more significant strikes. Uh, Paul Felder landed more strikes in general. Um, again, Vick wore most of the damage. So, really, if you look at the numbers, Vick probably won this fight. Um, but Paul Felder just seemed more in control. You know, Vic was kind of backing away, moving away more, and Felder was pressing the action more. And normally when that happens, again, the, the, the freaking, the judges like that. And the judges will go towards the, the guy that's, that's applying the pressure most of that fight. So, um, Paul Felder won that one and it was a great fight again. Uh, I really liked it. Paul Felder threw some wild ass spinning back fist which he's super known for uh you can see he's kind of trying to go with the spinning elbow not really a back fist because he's broken his arm so many times uh doing that and it's it's cost him you know a good portion of of time i mean he's he's a little older but he's he's only got 20 fights under his belt because you know he's missed so many so much time with, with healing and surgeries on his arm so, but I love Paul Felder, you know, a guy from Philly. Uh, he's a really nice guy, it seems like. Um, and what's crazy is they gave, they gave a, a, 10, a 10, two judges gave a 10-8 round for Felder, which I don't think there was, any, in my opinion, I didn't think there were any 10-8 rounds. But again, I think it was because Felder was applying the pressure most of the time crazy combinations the the flashy spinning back elbows uh he was just more flashy he seemed more fresh Vic at the end seemed totally gassed and what's even more impressive about that is paul felder fought the the end of that fight uh the last round with a collapsed lung the man fought the end of the fight with a collapsed lung um so he's gonna have hopefully a speedy recovery i want to see him back soon i love paul felder uh i i watched i think i've seen it the majority of his fights um and he's he's also so brilliant he's such a good announcer and it sucks because we're going to get robbed of that uh this weekend because because of the collapsed lung he he's actually still in the hospital recovering so we're not going to be able to see or listen to paul felder and i think that he's a brilliant announcer and you know he's obviously got a career in that when his ufc career is over um then the main event so moving on to the main event it was not anything to write home about. It was actually pretty sad. Um, Cain Velasquez looked, you know, when he first walked out to to the octagon, I was like to my, because he had his hoodie on. I said to my buddy, I was like, he actually looks good. Like, he doesn't look real old. He, he seems to be in shape. And then he took that hoodie off, and I'm just like, wow. Like, he's always been kind of flabby, but he just looked old. And then the way he was moving around the octagon, he looked really old. And the fight didn't last long. It only lasted freaking uh 26 seconds but the way he was moving around in the beginning he looked like he was laboring it looked like his legs really hurt and uh so then you know he ultimately you know he stood too close to Nganu. i mean we all know Nganu in the in the first round really is so dangerous um he's not he's got he's a freak i mean the guy's huge but he does tend to gas after the first round and he just you know Velasquez stayed he standed too close to him too early and so they got into the clinch and then Gano hit him with two uppercuts and he started to go down and as he was going down because he was knocked out 
Um, he says he wasn't. It, it depends. Like in the when it first happened, he said it it was because of that. And then when uh, after he said it had nothing to do. He was he wasn't knocked out. He knew everything that was going on. He said his knees gave out. So I don't know. Either way, it was it was kind of sad and, and ugly. He got hit with an uppercut, and it seemed like he had gotten knocked out. Maybe it wasn't completely. It wasn't like he was like stiff as a board knocked out. But you know, you could tell it stunned him. And when he got hit with that uppercut cut, he, you know, he fell real awkward, almost did a split with his knees turned inwards. And he rolled over, started screaming in pain. And, you know, you knew it wasn't good. And, and, and Ganu got like another punch in there, but the ref started to call it once he saw that Velasquez was in pain. So I thought for sure he was going to retire after that fight. Um, but he says he's going to be back. So, I mean, obviously I think he's going to have to go t- uh, into testing and see, you know, if there's anything wrong with that knee first or if it just, you know, gave out. And, and if it gave out, you know, because he hasn't fought in two years, if it gave out, what's the reason it's giving out? You know, it's not like he's been fighting for how many, you know, t- he hasn't fought a ton of times in one year. I mean, he literally, that's his first fight in two years. So there's no reason why, you know, your knee should just be giving out if, you know, you're 100% healthy. So there's got to be something else going on with that that, you know, we don't know about or, or something. Um, uh, moving on, GSP retires. So George St. Pierre, some say the great. Um, I don't know. You know, I'm a little surprised. You know, he's obviously been at it for a long time. But a lot of people, you know, pinned him and coming back. And a lot of people thought he was going to face... Habib, um, Habib actually even said he made one last ditch effort to try to get GSP to um, fight again and fight against him, but ultimately, I guess it fell through. And GSP really has his sights on retiring. Um, I, when when a UFC fighter retires, I don't ever take it um, serious until you know they're they're out of it for for quite a while because. We see guys come back all the time, guys that say they're retired, and then all of a sudden they come out and they're fine. They, like they, re- they retire for two years and they come back. They retire for five years, they come back. Um, most of the time it's because of money, because they need the money uh, or they want the money. But I'm not going to say that GS. yeah, he retired. Uh, he'll probably go into the UFC Hall of Fame and give it about two years and you know, Habib could still be undefeated by then, and everyone will be like, oh, well, you know, we always wanted to see the GSP fight, and they'll lure him out of retirement with a lot of money. He'll fight. He'll probably be, I'm not going to say, I don't think GSP will ever be washed up. I mean, the guy keeps in incredible shape. So I don't think he'll ever be washed up. But, you know, I think when you take enough time off, I think you kind of lose that chin. You know, you go from being used to getting punched in the face all the time to uh, not being used to it because you haven't done it. And uh, so I think you kind of lose that chin. So I'm not going to say he's going to be out of shape, but I think that, you know, it's not going to be prime GSP. Uh, and so, you know, a B will probably go out, dominate him, and then everyone will be like, oh, well, you beat a washed up GSP. So that, that's the way it always works. We see it so often in the UFC or really in MMA that he could come back and not fight in the UFC. He could fight in Bellator. Bellator will take him. They do that all the time. So, uh Yes, he retires, but we'll see if he really retires. Um, Anderson Silva, believe it or not, he booked a fight already. So Anderson Silva already ready to come back. And in my honest opinion, I think this is going to be his last fight. 
I think this will be it for Anderson Silva. It's in his. Uh, it's in Brazil. You know, obviously he's Brazilian, so it's in Brazil. I think he's going to go out. He's going to fight Jared Cannonier, who honestly looked really good in his last fight, even after the weight cut. Um, you know, he was obviously a light heavyweight. He's moved way down. He he looks like a different person. Um, but the killer gorilla will fight um, Anderson Silva in Brazil. And I'm going to predict that that will be uh, Silva's last fight. But I'm just surprised it happened so fast. I mean, he did say he wanted to fight in Brazil. But, you know, he just got done fighting a, a three-round fight with Israel Adesanya. And, you know, I'm not going to say it was a real taxing fight. It didn't seem like any per- anyone really got damaged. They didn't. No one really took a huge shot. Um, so, I mean, I, I can see him coming around and, and you know, but I mean, it's not till May, I don't believe, but you know, I was surprised that he came back so fast. I was honestly expecting like another year layoff until they go back because they go to Brazil a lot. But, um, I think that'll be his last fight. I think after that fight, win or lose, he's going to, you know, take his gloves off, put him in the center of the octagon and, and call it a career. He's 43. I mean, and he's got nothing else to prove. I mean, he was, he is probably the greatest, uh, MMA fighter of all time in my opinion uh he's just he changed the game he was totally different than anybody else he was an absolute wizard crazy defense um create high level striking i mean the guys his accuracy was insane still to this day i mean that fight against adesanya his accuracy was insane uh and i'm not saying he can't do it he's probably one of the most dangerous 43 year olds on the planet uh but you know at times guys know when it's time to hang it up and I don't think he's he's a guy that's going to make a run for the belt or anything like that anytime soon. So, you know, I think that'll be his last fight. Um, just quick notes, Zion Williamson. I don't know if you guys saw this yesterday. His shoe exploded uh, during, during the game in the first couple of minutes of the game against North Carolina. His shoe exploded. Horrible look for Nike. And not only did his shoe fall apart, um, he got hurt. Uh, knee sprain. So Zion Williamson probably going to be out for a game or two, maybe three. Who knows? Could be a couple weeks. So Duke loses their best player, and Nike, not a good look. And I just read somewhere that uh, Paul George actually, because he was wearing Paul George's sneaker, Paul George actually uh, reached out to Nike and basically said, like, why the hell did this happen? Um, so it's just funny, you know, that's that's how cheap, shoes are made nowadays you know uh i mean a guy i mean those dudes i'm not gonna say they wear new shoes every game but it's probably damn close so you know the fact that that you know your shoe absolutely gets obliterated in the middle in the first couple of minutes of a game so he gets hurt and duke loses so zion williamson's for one he's hurt and two he's clearly the whole duke team because he lost and they ended up losing and they basically looked like they were unbeatable with him there so uh, tough luck for Duke. Nike, not a good look. Get that shit figured out. Um, and then Jim Beheim. I don't know if you guys read this. Freaking Syracuse basketball coach walloped the guy on the side of the road while driving and killed him. He First off, this adds to my theory that old people, there should be an age limit for things. And clearly old people, for one, can't use the fast checkout or the self-checkout lines. And now they they need to put an age, like a maximum age on driving. Jim Beheim is just pelting people on the side of the road, and he killed the dude. So uh, Syracuse is on the hot seat because their freaking coach might not be able to, you know, he's going to have nightmares about this now because he drilled the dude on the side of the road, and, you know, 
took a life. I mean, I guess I guess the conditions were uh, it was ice. I mean, they did a field sobriety test and all that stuff. Obviously, Jim Beheim wasn't drinking and driving. It was, you know, it, I didn't expect that. When I read the article, I wasn't expecting him to be drinking and driving. I figured it it was some like a freak accident. Um, but I guess there was ice on the roads, which you know, at least where we're at, it was horrible yesterday. So there was ice on the roads. I mean, they didn't say whether the car slipped or not, but I guess the guy that got killed, his car it was in an accident. He was on the side of the road or whatever, and Beheim couldn't stop and hit him. So it's unfortunate. You know, it's sad that stuff like that happens, and, you know, he's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. And, and I know it's not like it was on purpose or, or he was doing anything wrong or, you know, it wasn't like he was drinking or driving. So, um, you know, if Jay ba- Jim, uh, whoa! If Jim Beheim was in the NFL, he'd be playing tomorrow. And if he was drinking and hit the person who was in the NFL, he'd be driving tomorrow or playing tomorrow. Because, you know, all I gotta say is Dante Stallworth. I'm still on that because that is still one of the funniest things. You know, that that he played the same year that he freaking hit somebody while drinking and driving. So. There really isn't any NFL talk. Um, we're almost done, and I really covered everything. But um, just there really isn't anything in the NFL. I mean, this is kind of that boring time of the year. Um, I already talked about Flacco and all that stuff before, so there really isn't anything uh, big. I mean, the Saints cut Kirk Coleman, and the Ravens signed uh, their cornerback, uh, Young Tavon Young, to a three-year extension. But nothing real big. I mean, Jaguars came out and said Bortles is going to be their quarterback or is their quarterback right now. It's not going to happen. Um, They're going to get Foles probably. So my last thing that I'm going to finish with is the AAF, okay? And this is funny because me and Dan from Leave the Pin In has said this before. How long is the AAF going to last? And the TV ratings, you know, were great and suggested it's it's going to do well. Yet, the AAF already has money problems. So they had a bar, they had to get a new investor because players didn't even get paid after the first week. The players didn't get paid after the first week, and they had to find a new investor to give them another loan. I think it was like $250 million or something like that. So uh, the Hurricanes, the 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 not Miami Hurricanes the the NHL team the Hurricanes I can't remember, I don't know where they're from I don't follow hockey but their owner uh, donated or gave them the loan and now he becomes part owner or whatever chairman to to the AAF um, so they got bailed out but it's not a good look and not a good start for the AAF I mean the TV ratings and the, the reviews are good. But, you know, that stuff doesn't matter if you can't freaking play, pay the people that are playing, um, you know, and, and that's not good. They told the players, I guess, that there was like a glitch in the system and that's why they didn't get paid. It had uh, nothing it had nothing to do with that. It was literally the fact that they didn't have the money. And that's sad. So AAF, figure it the hell out. And my Memphis Express, you guys need to figure it the freak out because you guys suck. You don't even have a win. You were winning 12-0 and you blew it. Uh, so I'm disappointed about that as well. Mike Singletary, you're a horrible coach. You did horrible in San Fran. Come on, man. You're a legend. You're a legend in football. What the freak's going on? Figure it out. But that's all I got. 
for bringing the heat episode 26 uh short and sweet um not much to talk about in the way of sports baseball is right around the corner super excited for that it's gonna be great i can't wait because god lord i'm freaking dying you know once football season ends there's like that that one month period where it's just like so boring there's nothing to freaking watch or anything um so i'm super excited for for baseball season to start super excited for you know the yankees to get going and to watch some spring training baseball and it's going to be a good year um other than that thanks for listening to bring in the heat again thanks to our sponsors train on main oahu golf apparel make sure you check out daddy hacks baseball and again if you are local and would love to come and help us out on March 2nd uh, for our, our local uh, kid that lost both parents, make sure to uh, go to pmbaseball.org and uh, look at the info for that. But other than that, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you again on the next one. Peace out.